dear listeners, welcome to Psychiatria, the show where we explore true healing and everything that might mean. I am Danny, your host, guide, and fellow human on this journey. And today I am sharing the second part of my conversation with Dr. Giordano on anxiety. In part one of this conversation, we talked about how we understand anxiety as a calling. So if you haven't listened to part one of this conversation, you'll definitely want to do that before going any further here. Uh, First half kind of explains second half and, you know, it all just flows together. So (laughs) in this episode, Dr. G and I explore what it's actually like to experience anxiety as a calling, um, to experience that idea, that concept. We share some stories about times in our lives where we kind of began to understand this idea about anxiety. And of course, we get a bit off topic and we end up discussing lots of related things. But I think that's what makes these conversations so valuable. There is always something to learn and somewhere to grow, even if it was spurred by something as icky feeling as anxiety. So, without further ado, let's get started. As I was preparing for this episode and and thinking about the things that I wanted to say and the ideas that I wanted to share, uh, questions I wanted to ask, um, I was like, okay, like, well, what, how do I understand anxiety is a calling like what does that mean to me what have my experiences with that been like and uh, the best way that I can sort of put words to that is like I think anxiety is a calling to listen sometimes the the timing or the nature of your anxiety will give you clues as to what the message is but um usually right like back to the check agent line like it doesn't tell you what it is what the problem is um or if it is a problem at all you know it just says hello there's a thing please pay attention to me i think i mean this the notion of listening has always been so important to me I mean, so much so, like, I have it tattooed on my wrist in sort of an an artsy way. But uh, I think it it calls us to listen to what is going on, like, what is here, and uh, notice. But, like, I think, like, listening is sort of a step beyond noticing. Like, you can acknowledge it, you can notice it, and say, like, this thing is, is here. Um, I see it, I sense it, but if you're listening to it, you're actually like, what are you, what are you trying to say? You know, um, there's a curiosity element there. There's like an engagement, right? Like in school, like (laughs) say the difference between like, I'm thinking of like a little kid, you know, like there's a difference between hearing and listening. Uh, (laughs) you can hear something like you're the noise that it's making. Uh, but you don't know what it's saying until you listen. So I'd love to spend some time talking about what our experiences with this have been like. 
and uh, um, what a sort of a story like of experiencing anxiety as a calling um, can look like. Well, yeah, I think I think you pointed out something very beautifully. This whole um, thing about listening. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah it's a beautiful thing um if we can truly truly listen because with our listening comes our awareness and attention and and that's all our self wants i've told i've it has just naturally kind of come out of my mouth so many times in working with people it's is that your own self just wants your attention and things had to get to a point where it yourself forced you to listen. Yeah. It forced you to your knees. It forced you to stop because life can give us many indicators like, Hey, 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 till a certain point, like, Hey, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, life will keep knocking at the door until you answer. Yeah. And if that knock has to get louder and if at a certain point it has to be, you know, some cataclysmic event you know it's life yourself will keep knocking at your door to get your attention and it just wants you to listen just listen just listen to life listen to what is yourself what is going on what is happening what is happening here just sit and listen also implies this openness like being open not having decisions and deciding if you're truly listening, you are there without any judgment, label, criticism, even without identity, without identification. Your listening is an is amazing, beautiful, beautiful thing. Because really it means you are there without any idea, without any concept, without any you know, label, judgment. You are just pure openness, pure awareness. And that is if we can really be that way it's that in itself is freedom yeah there's this book that an old coworker had shared with me several years ago and uh, it's called the awareness principle but basically and i never really read the whole thing but it has these poems in uh, the beginning that are titled like awareness as whatever you know awareness is this awareness is that and basically the whole book is like everything is awareness and uh, it's just, it was a really um i haven't looked at it in a while i'll link it in the notes um because it's just it was like a free pdf online so i don't think it i don't know if the book ever made it big but <laughs> um it was such a a, a shift in my perspective like reading those things and just oh like awareness really is it you know at the end of the day that's all life wants for me that's all like myself wants you know is to be aware to pay attention to listen i think they're all kind of one and the same at the end of the day you know like at their core but yeah are you are you down to to share some experiences of this absolutely well and i was gonna say and the strange thing is is that's all you are your only awareness Mm -hmm. but that is jumping way way ahead so (laughs) 
But that's what you seem to do, Danny. You seem to, you jump to these like end of life realizations and Oops. like at whatever, you know, at such a young earth age. Earth that age. sounds weird. Yeah, <laughs> such I'm a young. I'm an old soul. That's what yeah. they say. So, yeah. Well, like any, like anything in our human experience, I think anything can be the impetus or whatever it is that makes one turns one's attention back to oneself, mm. whether that be anxiety or depression or the loss or intense grief or intense overwhelm, something that happens, essentially any very overwhelming human life experience ends up making us kind of go like, whoa you know, whoa, 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 what is, what is this? What's, and so, yeah, turning the attention back on oneself and seeing what's there. And then you're, you're just naturally tying this thing in about awareness. Yeah. You know, kind of going back to that thing, like that awareness and the panic attack on the kitchen floor when it feels so overwhelming and it gets to the point of, yeah, upset and I'm crying and my heart's racing. And I feel like I'm, going to die or pass out or, but that you notice this well, wait a minute I'm still in here I'm still in here so something is aware that this panic attack is happening something is aware that I'm in my kitchen and that I'm feeling super freaked out and it feels like I'm about to you know die but something is aware mm-hmm. what is that what is that and then has that awareness changed since the time, you know, when you were five? Was something aware? Were you aware at that time? Yes, your circumstances were different. Your mind was different. Your body was different. But were you aware? And then when you were 15, you know, you know so, so this thing about awareness is a really big thing. And it's a really big, um, it's a big calling. <laughs> uh and and just kind of that discovery and and again just how how we are how we're conditioned as humans from a very early age is is to apply identity and labels to and names to everything everything you know there's a clock there's a table there's a chair there's a bed there's a window there's a ceiling i mean we are just super super wired to identify everything and give it a name and to give it a that's that and this is this and this and this and this you know and mentally so we have all these you know names for things and concepts for things and there's something within us that isn't a name it's not a concept it's not something you can say oh point to it and be like oh that's that mm-hmm you know, again, coming back to that, that's, that small part in us that is, that knows like, wait, but I'm still here. I'm here. Well, what is that? Yeah. Does it have a name? So what are, like, what are sometimes, or what is a time in your life where your anxiety has called you and you sort of found yourself in this place? You, uh, like specific instances where yeah. I've, if you're down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm down. I just want to make sure I understand exactly what you're asking. I mm. think I wasn't totally totally sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me a story. Tell you a story. <laughs> Once upon a time. 
Once upon a time, I can remember sitting in my dad's living room, watching TV with the family. Everything's fine. It's all calm. Nothing's wrong. I think I was in college at that time. It was probably like around 19 or 20. You know, lovely, beautiful suburban home. And out of the blue, all of a sudden, sitting there on the couch, all of a sudden, I, something happens that I don't feel good. What is that? Like, what does it, and I just kind of like start to investigate, like, what doesn't feel good? Oh, and you start to do this internal kind of, you know, taking, taking stock, what's going on? Well, I feel a little warm. I feel a little woozy. Uh, I don't know. Like, well, what is that? Why would I be feeling woozy? Like, what's happening? And I look around, but everything's fine. There's nothing going on. There's no reason I should feel badly. There's no reason I should well, then definitely what's the matter? Am I sick? So, and in this culmination of thought, what's wrong with me? And I've never heard of a 19 year old like having a heart attack, but could I? And like, what? And so lo and behold, like one of my first panic attacks ever Mm. in the middle of the living room, sitting on a super comfy, cushy chair with family in a safe place. And suddenly just feel drenched in dread, Mm. overwhelmed, like I'm going to die. Like this is the end. I'm 19 or 20. This is it. Done. Uh, All the fun feelings that come with that. Mm. And then I, um, and then I I was like, dad, I was like, and I was even afraid to even speak it. Mm -hmm. Afraid because it like makes it more real. Then it's like, wow, this is really real. Dad, I don't feel good. You know, I look over at my dad you know dad I don't feel good well what's the matter you know well I don't know I just don't feel good I just feel like hot and like something's wrong and like you know so and start telling him and and basically he's like yeah I think I think I know what this is mm. <laughs> yeah I think you're probably having some anxiety this is you know this might be a panic attack and then you know, just you know, reassurance and it subsided and you know, I don't know if we and whatever, but but I think somehow what I remember or even just remembering this thing right now is that even though there was a huge flood, huge flood of emotions, a huge flood, a huge flood of adrenaline, a huge flood of feeling. And I thought it was the end. There I thought like there were moments I mean, this is it. I'm gonna die this emotion is just so, so bad, mm-hmm. but I didn't. And there was, there was something, something that went through that experience and didn't die and didn't change. And I would say now from my vantage point, many years later, those were when things were starting to turn for me, I there, you know, there was there was definitely it was a long journey, but this this whole idea of coming out of a of a, a thinking based perspective of you know trying to perceive life and outthink life and logic it and and work the brain and work my goals and plans and ambitions and to this whole thing of start of orienting much more toward the truth and the reality of is that I will never outthink life. I'm not a thinking machine. That's the human experience is is never going to be logic doubt. It's never going to look, you know, cookie cutter, pretty perfect, you know, getting every certificate and accomplishment and 
that will never actually bring you bring me the peace and happiness that I'm looking for. And even even at such a young age, I was so so oriented to to trying to to make life fit into my plan. I had plans and ambitions and had capabilities and felt then like, well, yeah, okay, you know. Um, I don't know, and I think this fundamental thing of gone through so many experiences and anxieties, you know, anxiety is not gone. I mean, anxiety or fear still comes for sure, man. Like, like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just endless. So many things can come where you're like, ah, but it doesn't have even close to this. I don't relate to it even close to the same way. Yeah. It just doesn't get entertained. It's just like, oh, I see you rather than like, oh, my God. And oh, it's here. And oh, and yeah, yeah, you know, and it and it becoming this. It's like oh, I see you. Okay, hello. But there's not an so much of an investment of that's all that I am. And part of the things that helped me open up, and part of the things that really helped me to be in tune with that, which or helped me see the things that I'm not, was things like you know, I mean, I did Kriya Yoga, I did meditations, I did things I think that helped me to move from out of head-based living and then much more into my heart, I feel. So, you know, the sort of story starting with that first panic attack, like the first recognition of, of it as such, um, what do you think that anxiety was calling you towards? Mm, it was calling me to exactly where I am right now, mm-hmm. whatever has wanted me to be on this journey. Well, it's essentially to me and for my life where it's been is, search for the truth okay what's the truth Mm. I want to know what the hell is going on here what is this really because to me what I observed in my 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 perception of it was that those who have gone on this journey or sought this seem to have a lot of natural ease you know and I think we we all want we all want ease everybody wants peace everybody wants to be happy yeah fundamentally yep and for me I wanted to know what is this is this and that has been it's driven so much of my so much of my life decisions mm-hmm. or I don't even know if they've been my decisions but it's mm-hmm. so much of my life's happenings have yeah. been toward that which has been for me as a human like I think that was what this life was wanting to express or what life was wanting to express through me was this stuff yeah Hmm. and it's such a journey and it's like this stuff it's like it's like evolution of a human which is not something that happens in an hour or happens in a week or happens in 10 months or happens in 10 years it's like you know this is takes lifetimes Mm -hmm. or eons i don't know Hmm. Mm yeah yeah Yeah. i think it's a really beautiful way to understand it of sort of like you know we talk about our 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 life path and our you know the calling or whatever you sort of and it's like in a meta kind of way anxiety is one of the things especially if you're somebody that feels a lot of it you know anxiety is one of the things that does a lot of the pointing you you know to where to go and um yeah and I think that's sort of that's sort of what you just said you're like well from that day like it's been been bringing me here 
to where we sit right now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's uh, it's really lovely. You know, it's really lovely. I think one essential part of it too was for me was this experiential not ex not experience because I feel like this is something we all know deep down or that we all knew as something when we were tiny but that I'm not separate I am not this individual human just trying to slug it out and not avoid death which I think is how we kind of train ourselves as you know trains humans is okay just avoid death and accumulate mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. yeah that we're like actually sort of like to oh live and like experience like, life yeah ah uh, it is it's like we're we, we like we reinforce ourselves as machines it's like okay don't die and don't you know which is fine good so survival is innate yep that's and we're wired like through nature that's great but then okay so don't die and accumulate as much wealth and stuff as you can mm -hmm. like uh okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like wow mm -hmm. it's, it's quite an agenda mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and it's um so I think part of it for me, a huge part that has been so much an antidote to anxiety was the experience of I'm not this separate little entity. I'm not separate. I'm not just this small creature trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And I think deep down, we all know that. I, I think it's hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. People are like, what? No, I'm me. No, I like, okay, I understand. There's a body I got. Yeah. But this having that for me, I was able to relax a lot more. I was able to let go a lot more when I felt the feeling of the universality, that innate benevolence, but not just intellect, not just a mental idea, because mentally, yeah, okay, yeah, we're all one. It's like, it's like, yeah, be, be present or mindfulness or whatever. It's like, those are, it's too easy to say those words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got It's it. completely different to experience it. you gotta feel it and to trust that to trust it's hard to trust as a human being i find maybe i'm sure some some <laughs> yeah, of us it have it easier than others but it's hard it's hard to let go and just be like okay everything actually is this is all it's all intelligence or you know it's an intelligent order that underlies all thing now everything you know it's intellectually again yeah that sounds great but in your heart to really allow and acknowledge that it's a totally different thing yeah i would like to share the story of um when like definitely not the first time i felt anxiety but the first time that i really understood anxiety as a calling um the first time that i recognized that it was a a thing that could have significant um or could lead me towards you know a significant meaning in my life and um, it was like a multi-year process, really. Uh, <laughs> so I rode horses um, in the earlier years of my life from like 7 to 20, 21, we'll say-ish. And uh, there was this period where I had like taken a semester off of college and it was this thing for the type of writing that I do to like 
take your horse, go south for a month or a few months or whatever time you could in the winter to train and compete. And because in Michigan, like the outside competition season is quite short and there's not a lot of happenings. So, yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity to go south for, I think I was there for a few weeks. So I didn't take a very long trip and sort of through this whole period like here I was doing this thing that I had been looking forward to for so many years that I had wanted the opportunity to do I had the opportunity to do it I did all of the like planning and organization and was like driving myself and my horse down to Georgia and South Carolina um and figuring out where to stay and and all this stuff and then I get there and uh, start having this experience and like something just doesn't feel right and I remember having these conversations my mom was with me for the first part and then she flew home um she kind of like drove down with me I remember having these conversations with her just like crying and be like something's not right like something doesn't feel right I don't know what it is like I just don't feel good and uh I can't, I can't figure it out. I don't know. Like nothing on paper is wrong per se. Um, I am here. My horse is like safe and well, like I'm with people that I love and trust, like doing this thing that I love and I still don't, don't feel right about it. And so I, I went through the whole experience and like, did the competitions, did the trainings, ended up sort of finishing it on this really big like international competition. And my horse just like completely carried me through the whole thing because I was I was not there. I wasn't I wasn't really there. I remember coming back from one of the events and just being like, I like he did so well. He did so well out there <laughs> uh, and just took care of me. Um, but months after that, I had this conversation with my uncle and, you know, had, of course, been talking and thinking and whatever about it. That's the kind of person that I am when something is bothering me. Like, I don't just let it sit, you know, it, I will keep kind of poking it and like trying to figure out what is <laughs> um, like I knew I knew something was calling. I just didn't know, didn't know how to pick up the phone. Right. I didn't know what it was saying. I was like, where is the receiver? Like looking under all the couch cushions and like. <laughs> um, and uh, eventually I figured out like, oh, I don't want to ride horses anymore. And it was this whole like, and, and then it took me two years after that like after that moment to really own that that knowledge um at that like when I first realized it I was like oh like I know that I don't want to compete like this anymore I don't want to try to ride at this level but that was such a big thing like horses had been and riding had been my identity for so long and it was such a big part of my family's life as well like my parents would go to all the competitions with me and had always supported me so well through that so it was this whole like that kind of just shift in my desires 
unconsciously, you know, was a big, big change for myself and the people around me. Uh, and then it begs all these questions of like, who am I? What is my life like without this? You know, what do I do? Uh, and that's why it was a slow, 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 slow transition out of it. Um, because it takes time, you know, to ease into those things. But yeah, like being looking back on that, that was the first time where I really learned to listen to my intuition. And uh, like where I really like it was this really bizarre experience at first where I remember having a conversation with my therapist about it and um, with my uncle and his partner and uh, talking about like the intuition and, and listening to that voice. And I was like, oh, my God, like I've never heard this before. And now I can like ask myself questions, and, like get answers. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like anxiety the whole time was just like trying to tell me, like, just listen, listen to this, listen to yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was obviously like a very impactful story in my life, and it's been cool over the years to see that process. Like, it no longer takes me three years <laughs> to uh, to sort of work my way through this. I can recognize it when anxiety is calling. You can say, "Okay, I hear you. I don't know what you're calling about, but I'm gonna try to listen." You know, and I think it's important to say that sometimes it takes a long time to listen. Sometimes it takes a long time to like decipher the message um, because there often are a lot of things in the way. And sometimes you have to clear those out. Uh, you have to, I don't know, it just, you know, everybody has their own process, everybody has their own things. Yeah. That's what I, I think about when I think about anxiety as a calling. And so often it's it's calling you to a like a truer version of yourself, you know. And that's these these big yeah, uh, yeah. These these bigger um things that anxiety is calling you towards are so often like that. And I think that there are other things where like sometimes we just get like a like you get anxious about walking down a certain street or something and you're like, oh, my body's saying something. I'm not going to walk down there right now. And that's, you know, same thing, but different, different scale, you know? But these, like, these bigger, bigger life events where anxiety is like, listen to yourself. <laughs> yeah. I think you just said it. I think you just said the whole thing. <laughs> this anxiety is calling you to the truth of yourself. That's all it is. Yeah. And really, really listening, being willing. First, there has to be willingness. Hmm. Got to be willing to listen. Oh, yeah. And open. And, and you know, this openness and willingness. And because it's so hard, like, sensations of anxiety are so uncomfortable. Like, to, so uncomfortable. to sit with that and try to listen is excruciating, you know? and Yes. To sit, to sit and be with the human experience is a very courageous and in this day and age, somehow we've turned it into almost a revolutionary thing. 
<laughs> just to sit and be with your own human experience yeah and to just listen just be with it is and because yes uh, there will definitely are uncomfortable things about being human there's definitely mm-hmm. feelings that are uncomfortable sensations that are uncomfortable thoughts that give you you know make you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. for sure but again then being with that the willingness to be with it and to be with the whole spectrum that we're not just willing to be with the happiness and the peace and the joy and the bliss but that we're willing to be with the whole spectrum of whatever comes through the human being that we are and that we are willing to allow it without having to without having to make it mean anything it doesn't have to mean a darn thing in fact it doesn't mm. yeah <laughs> Oh, that's kind of where like <laughs> when my when my brain is like, no, things must mean something. Everything must have purpose. Otherwise, why is it here? And the thing that I tell myself is like, well, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Not your job to give it that. Not your job to assign it purpose or value or whatever. Like you just you just do you. You just be here. You just observe. If there is a thing that is supposed to happen because of this or you know a meaning a message or whatever that's going to come out of this it'll find you you know it'll do its thing yeah yeah you won't escape anything that life has to show you (laughs) anything that's meant for you you won't escape it no uh -uh. you won't we won't we won't whatever's and that's the thing too I think what you point out about like yeah we, we so I love that because what you basically talked about, your relinquishing of needing to, to even decide does it have meaning or not. Mm-hmm. To just say, hey, that's an amazing, amazing place for a human to get to. Mm-hmm. Because in essence, you're saying, okay, universe, okay, life, do what you need to do. It's not my job to judge you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huge, amazing, amazing discovery. Yeah. That we actually, and in our own cute tiny puny human brains we think like we should actually know what the heck's going on here oh yeah i know what's going on i get it i know life i've taken science classes in biology and physics and i get it mm-hmm. i got this i get it when the absurdity of this <laughs> is if you pull up a, a, a blade of grass yeah and you look at it and the truth is we actually don't we don't actually even know how the heck that blade of grass actually functions we don't actually know like how does this thing actually we know okay it's got chlorophyll and the cell walls and the fibrous whatever but how that actually all coalesces into this beautifully shaped perfect perfection thing of creation we don't actually know yeah yeah i think that's like i think we can learn and know a lot of things like we can know a lot of stuff about stuff but like we're always gonna not know more than we do know and (laughs) we're always gonna not know more than we do know yeah yeah Yeah. i came across this metaphor sort of in in relation to anxiety um but it sort of applies to a lot of what we're talking about is this uh, like the Chinese finger trap, um, the Chinese finger trap, like metaphor. And like, if you, 
life, really, but uh, specifically anxiety, has you in there, right? And the <laughs> if you pull and you pull hard and fast, you're going to get stuck and it's going to hurt and it's going to be really uncomfortable. Like you're going to panic and it's not going to be fun. But if you just kind of like stay there and you like soften it a little bit and you're like, what is, what is in here? What is in the middle of this? And then you kind of like, like take your fingers out if you want to. But it's that like, you sort of have to be slow and gentle with it. Um, yeah. So beautiful. It's actually at the moment that we stop and relax. That's when we get out of the trap. Mm-hmm. That's so, so, such, so true. <laughs> yeah. It's it's much more of a relaxing into what we really are. And out of all these ideas and beliefs and, oh, yeah, I got it. And I know, and I figured it out and did it and I made sense of it all. Because you never will. Mm-hmm. And relaxing back into something, into the spaciousness, relaxing back into that this universe is beyond the fathom of the human mind and that there's something deeply and there's a deep intelligence that has underlies all of it. Yeah. And relaxing back into that and the recognition and acknowledgement that, you know, the human, human thoughts are limited. The human body is limited, but that's something that is not limited, something that is, expansive and spacious and benevolent and that that can be trusted Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's an interesting Hmm. i may be out of words ah beautiful (laughs) isn't it isn't it amazing when we (laughs) yeah it's my favorite place my favorite space with humans Talking is nice and lovely, but I my favorite, favorite space with humans is when we run out of words, when we don't need them anymore. Well, I think we've come to a natural conclusion. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> the conclusion of, of word swirls and thoughts and trying to talk about things that don't make sense. The conclusion is we have no conclusions. Yes. The conclusion is we just ran out of words. That's that's it. <laughs> that's the end. <laughs> we have nothing to conclude. That's our conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> conclusion, life. Life exists. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, but thanks, Jen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. A delight and privilege. Thank you. Such a fun opportunity. Mm. Mm. yeah but so when uh, i've recorded a couple of conversations like this where i'm like i have no idea what this conversation means or how i will edit it or write about it or you know but i'm like gosh darn it it's something like you know and i'll listen back to it and inspiration will strike um, and things will happen yeah yeah Okay, Definitely. well, just duck in case it's going to strike you. Okay. <laughs> in case it hits fast. Just in case, never know. <laughs> Inspiration coming in hot. 
<laughs> funny. Funny, funny. <sighs> I think I'm just going to stop, stop the recording because I don't really know what's going to happen with any of this. Yeah. And I feel like it would be odd to yeah. do like a sign off. Don't or... try to wrap this one up with a nice bow. Nah. Uh-uh. Not needed. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, dear listeners. If you want to learn more about or explore working with Dr. Giordano, you can head to freerange.org to read her bio, book a free 15-minute phone consultation. And if you have any questions, thoughts, feedback that you want to share with us or ideas for future episodes even, please get in touch. You can send me an email at podcast at freerange.org or message me on Instagram at Psychiatria Podcast. And remember, if you like what you heard, you can follow us on your podcatcher of choice and leave us a review. It really helps the algorithms and all those things. Uh, but at the end of the day, it helps more people find this podcast so that we can share the word about true soul healing and all of the explorations and curiosity that go with that. So... Take care, dear listeners. Stay curious, and I'll catch you next time.